Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham, Scott, alongside, as always. Hello, Scott. Sean, you ever think about curling when it's 40 degrees outside? No. No, I don't. Sometimes I think, oh, that'd be nice right now. Just be in that nice, cool (laughs) box. Yeah. 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 It's warm here in the nation's capital. We are pushing... 40 degrees with the humid X. It is unpleasant to say the least, Scott. How have you been coping? Mostly staying inside. Uh, although I've had to go into the office uh, for a couple of days now. And uh, when I got home, my back had like the imprint of my backpack <laughs> uh, on it because it was so sweaty. It's yeah. just uh, disgusting. I think we've had a heat warning now since for like five or six days already and it's not going to end for another few so mm-hmm. everybody drink a lot of water out there i'll take my own advice and have some now but uh yeah be uh be safe yeah be safe everybody in the heat uh, certainly it's just heat right now here in ottawa central canada but certainly we are thinking about those who have the the fires going on out west and as we record this Tropical storm Henri is making its way up the East Coast and is in New England right now. Looks like it'll head into Nova Scotia. So sending our best thoughts to everybody as they deal with very strange weather patterns here in North America. So this week we're going to return to our countdown of ranking the best players from each decade. The last time we did this a couple weeks ago, we talked about the 1990s. So we are going to push into the 21st century. We are going to talk about the aughts, the early 2000s. And we have a long list here. It's still 10, but we snuck in some other ones of the best players from the aughts. Scott, this is a decade for me that I think of as the decade of dynasties. That mm-hmm. in in Canada, certainly, and when you look around the world, there were dynastic teams for a lot of countries. There wasn't that much variability when you looked at world championship fields because the same teams kept winning national championships over and over again. Yeah, yeah. It's rare for us here in Canada to have that, right, where the, the same teams keep winning. But uh, yeah, uh, it was definitely the case for us. On the women's side, it was even the same last name. So <laughs> I think every team that won the Scotties is on this list in some point. So yeah, uh, there wasn't that many of them. No, three teams won the Scotties. And not just three skips, which when we get to the 2010s mm-hmm. next week, you start to see skips repeat with different teams. These teams didn't change in the midst of the runs, which is yeah. kind of remarkable and, and shows how the sport has changed in terms of team construction, even in the last 10 years. So this is a fun list for me. This is where maybe my fandom was really born out. Uh, First time I ever went to live curling was during the aughts. It was the 2009, I think, Scotties in Regina. No, 2008 Scotties in Regina. And it was a really fun event put on... uh, 
expertly by the folks there in Regina. The Heartstop Lounge was attached to the arena, which I think is key, especially in a place like Regina. Just a lot of fun. But this is a decade that for me that I really became a fan, I think, of, of curling. Yeah, and for me, it was spending time in my university residence, taking my pillow to the couch in the lounge to hunker down for three-hour curling matches at uh, whatever time it was. Yeah, uh, Everybody is like, who's this weird guy that's always in the lounge <laughs> watching curling? What a, what a weirdo. Yeah, But like you say, this sort of cemented my love of the game this decade here. Yes. So there are some really good players, really good teams who did not crack the top 10. So just a couple quick honorable mentions. Bing Yu Wang, one of the best. She was a world champion, first woman from the Pacific Asian region to win. I believe actually the first team from the Pacific Asia region to win a mm-hmm. world championship in 2009. Uh, very exciting moment, uh, talking about growing the game into a part of the world that hadn't had success on the international stage to to really any great extent. She lost the 2008 World Championship final to Jennifer Jones. Uh, so really a phenomenal run there around that 2010 Olympics, won a bronze medal in 2011 as well. Couldn't quite get her on this list because the field is so strong, but we just wanted to acknowledge Bing Yu Wang and her incredible contributions to the sport and growing the sport in China. We also have on here Miriam Ott. She is, for me, as we talked about this before we started to record, kind of a shoulder player, if that makes mm-hmm. sense, where she has a lot of success late in the aughts, early in the 2010s. But if you take the decades on their own, doesn't quite stand out. But if you had a player from, if we were ranking from 2005 to 2015, she's definitely on the list. A couple silver medals for her seven euro medals in, in the decade so very solid yeah just a real shame at the 2010 olympics i guess it's not a shame if you're canadian and you were cheering for <laughs> cheryl bernard but uh she just sort of lost it yeah uh, lost her draw weight in the the semis and and the bronze medal game yeah but uh, great career absolutely and then the final honorable mention the great rona martin who we love listening to her on the call whenever there is a world curling event that they produce themselves. She is often on the call. 2002 Olympic gold medalist. Mm-hmm. And the that's pretty much all she did <laughs> on the international stage. Went to the world championship in 2000, finished fourth place there. But it's that gold medal that stands out. Almost Mike Harris-esque, if Mike Harris had won the gold medal, where internationally the success comes at one Olympic Games, and it, then the person becomes well-known, arguably maybe more well-known for the broadcast ability and being entertaining on TV. I think mm-hmm. Rona Martin kind of falls into that category a little bit. Yeah, that's that's an interesting comparison. I, I kind of agree with that. That's something that we'll have to watch. Who's going to be the next, you know, uh, really great for a short amount of time and then on to the, the TV. On to hmm. TV, yeah. Who, who hmm. will it be? I... I I don't know. I think Chelsea Carey has been great for longer than a short amount of time, but Chelsea Carey on TV is going to be amazing if she yes. chooses. She wants to do that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. So, Scott, let's get into this list again. Let's the criteria it. that we used pretty much relying on world championships, Briar, Scotties, the Olympics play an outsized role, at least for me, in trying to come up with the rankings. Because if we are going to accept that the Olympics is the pinnacle of the sport and the players themselves seem to treat it like that. They set their schedules 
around the Olympics, teams are made for quadrennials at this point. That's how we're going to focus on this and say that the Olympics uh, have a bit of an outweighed importance in coming up with these rankings. So that being said, let's get right into it, Scott. Who do we have in the 10 spot? Well, Sean, you talked about the Olympics being very important. Let's go with the first Olympic gold medalist of the decade out of Norway, Paul Trulsen. So like I say, 2002 Olympic gold medalist, uh, he represented Norway at seven straight world championships from 1999 to 2005, uh, had a silver medal in 02, a bronze in 01 and 03, and then that gold from the Olympics right in the middle there. Uh, he was sort of the uh, Thomas Olsrud before Thomas Olsrud yeah. was the, the rep out of Norway. Uh, he was sort of, I, I don't know about uh, the ladies listening. Uh, they might say <laughs> different, uh, but he was sort of the stalwart for Norway and then transitioned into coaching mm-hmm. uh, the Norwegian program. And we saw him quite a bit at the Continental Cup when that was coming into prominence in the late in the decade. Yeah, he looks like a guy who wouldn't be a lot of fun. Just he looks stern. He all looks the time. yeah, he looks like he would be scary. Mm-hmm. But he seems to have a lot of fun at those events and and enjoys the atmosphere, enjoys being around the other players, really wants to make it a fun environment, which again, if you were just to see a photo of him, that's not necessarily what you would expect if you were purely stereotyping based on appearance. His personality doesn't seem to match it because he seems like a really fun guy. When I think of a Norwegian, uh-huh. I think of Paul Trulsen. Like, okay. When I'm like, what would a Norwegian look like? I feel like, <laughs> yeah, maybe that, maybe that's uh, because of him. Yeah. But I think that. Yeah. So. Maybe, maybe Scott, he should, if he needs a new gig, he should go and be the Norwegian person at Epcot in the World Showcase. Yes. He I could was just stand that. there as the honorary representative norwegian that would be great for everybody that would be great yeah all right uh who we got next sean (laughs) all right next up is the great kelly scott one of the three scotty's champion skips during the decade back-to-back wins in 2006 and 2007 came off of a bronze medal at the scotty's in 2005 didn't have the greatest level of success at the world championships but she won one of the two she played in winning in 2007 lost in a semifinal there in or sorry no uh lost yeah lost the semifinal in 2006 that's still when it was the page playoff system no bronze medal game she did lose as well the 2005 olympic trial final to shannon Clybrink and her team who did mm-hmm. not make this list and it's this is one of those things, Scott, that three, four-year run of this Kelly Scott team was so much fun to me to watch. I know she was a somewhat polarizing figure that after every shot, she would give the times. And for whatever reason, people did not always enjoy her. I never understood it. I thought she was a lot of fun. Gina Schrader was so good in this run, uh, mm-hmm. the best third in the world at the time. Sasha Carter and Renee Simons on the front end very strong players, but I think the key to this team was Gina Schrader and mm-hmm. how good she was in those two Scotties, particularly in the playoffs. In those two Scotties, she she would rip your heart out uh, if you gave her the chance to. And oftentimes, when oftentimes other teams did give give her that chance, and she just took care of those opportunities. 
as I said, I was there at that 2008 Scotty's in Regina, and I was there the night that they were eliminated from the playoffs. And it was great that it was Regina, really knowledgeable fans. It had been a somewhat emotional week that week because Michelle Englott's father had died right before the event, and she was there as Team Saskatchewan. She was emotional all week, and as a result, the crowd was very emotional for her. And the night that Kelly Scott was eliminated, she had not been getting a lot of love from the Regina crowd over the course of the week. Mm-hmm. But when she was eliminated and she went down, got her broom and was coming down the ice, the, the place just erupted uh, in this appreciative cheer for what that team had accomplished over the previous three years. And it was a beautiful moment to see of this crowd that wasn't on her side at all, giving her the mm-hmm. respect that I think she was due at that point, or certainly she had earned. Uh, just a wonderful to be in the building in that moment. And this is a team that I'm higher on than I think most people. I really liked watching them. As I said, not necessarily the case for others. She did crack an eight-ender, too, in an early Grand Slam, for what that's worth. But a team that I very much enjoyed. Now, Scott, you were in BC for a lot of this stretch where they were at the top of their game. So maybe you have mm-hmm. a different perception as they were the hometown team. Yeah, I, I think uh, they were... Very, very good. Very, very strong. What you say, like 10 and a half is, <laughs> is like etched in my mind every time I hear it. But she was, I think, a breath of fresh air from the uh, Colleen Jones days. You know, just like, oh, somebody new yeah. to come in and, again, dominate. But uh, I, I like this team. I, I think you're right about Gina Schrader being the key Although Kelly Scott could be deadly with her draw weight, you know, uh, oh, yeah. if she's on it, like it, good luck beating her. But uh, I, I didn't, I'm not as far in your camp as really loving them, but I am also not in the hating them camp of uh, being annoyed by the times. Yeah. Which a lot of people were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think great player. Uh, definitely deserving of a spot on this list. Absolutely. So uh, so let's move up to the number eight spot, Scott. Who we got there? So, Sean, this is another example of the Olympic gold probably being a little more valuable uh, in this decade uh, in our minds. And, and we're going to put Brad Gushu on this list. Uh, Olympic gold, 2006, sort of out of nowhere, yeah. right? Uh, they bring Russ Howard onto their team uh, to participate uh, in the trials end up uh, shocking everybody and winning going to the Olympics, winning that gold medal. Uh, that's the real highlight of the decade for Brad Gushu, but also he was the briar rep out of Newfoundland every year, uh, starting in 2003. And I think has been every year since, except for when he's representing Canada. Yeah. So pretty incredible streak. I, I know Newfoundland is not the most difficult province to, to get out of, but, you still have to beat some good teams. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think I could do it. So <laughs> Briar rep every year. He did make it to the gold medal match in 07. Was that against? That was to, he lost that one to Howard. To Glenn Howard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so a silver medal there. Uh, but just sort of the, the beginnings of Brad Gushu that we know now. And we might talk about him again next week on our uh, our next list. So what 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 do you think of that Sean? Yeah, I, that... I think that I think it's fair to put him in this spot. As it's, as I said at the top, the the Olympic gold medals they mean something, 
And again, if we're going to acknowledge or, or accept that that is the pinnacle of the sport, then that matters. And yeah, it came out of nowhere. Yes, they brought in Russ Howard to do it. And yes, the wink and the gun got a little old by the end of the week, but <laughs> he won it and he did it. Yeah. And he was the one who was making those shots at the end. He wasn't calling the game, no, mm -hmm. but he was making the shots at the end. And him with Korab and Nichols, just a remarkable team, and went on a great run to win. I remember, I happened to be in Barbados uh, studying abroad during the 2006 Olympics, but we got the CBC on a satellite dish in the residence. And I was able to watch the gold medal game while all of my Caribbean friends were making great, great fun of what I was watching and me for wanting to watch it. But they allowed me to do it. They were nice enough to allow me to do it. Well, that's nice anyway. Yeah. Well, all that was really on, it was during the day. It was a weekday. The only thing that was really on, because they just wanted to watch soccer all the time, but there was no soccer going on. So uh, they were okay. All right. At least it was sports that I wanted to watch. And none of the countries from which they... Uh, where they were from, were represented in this particular Olympic Games. So I, I could watch the CBC coverage of the game. But I do remember that I think he had a draw for seven, an open draw for seven in that gold medal game in the sixth or seventh end, and he put it through. Yeah. And I remember thinking, oh, come on, Brad. Come on. <laughs> like, And he was interviewed after, and he said, yeah, I would have liked to make it, but it didn't matter. The game was over. We scored six. Who cares? Uh, okay, <laughs> I can appreciate. I can appreciate that that mindset. Uh, but yeah, just a, a, a again an out of nowhere thing. He doesn't go on to win the Briar until 2017. So mm -hmm. it's it takes him a long time. It takes him a lot of teammates to figure out the right formula to break through at the Briar. And what he does, it's a magical moment. Uh, but he he won it. Can't take it away from him and really a, a high point, certainly of, of his career and worthy of a spot on this list. Yeah, absolutely. So next up, next up, we got? we're going across the pond to Scotland for the great David Murdoch coming in at number seven. He medaled in four out of five world championships between 2005 and 2009 winning the gold in 2006 and having the gold handed to him in 2009 <laughs> he won a silver medal in 2005 and 2008 he also won the european championships in 2003 7 and 8 got a silver there in 2006 a bronze in 2005 did participate in the olympic games during this decade didn't quite have uh, the, the success they would have wanted, didn't earn a medal, but did make those appearances as Team Great Britain there at the Olympic Games. So two-time two world champion during the decade. Again, we are kind of prioritizing Olympics a little bit here, but uh, certainly a solid run for David Murdoch and a team that could beat you anytime they step on the ice. Yeah, I really pushed for this, uh, this one uh, on the list because – that that run of five years, they were, I would say, the maybe the second best team in the world. Maybe the two top teams in the world were in Canada, but I think so. Uh, outside of Canada, I think it was them. Yeah, um, and like not particularly close, right? With, with any of the others, just uh, so consistent and strong. And like you say, that maybe that 09 gold medal, little asterisk beside that, <laughs> uh, uh, which we'll talk about later. I think. And very solid. And then I, I'll always remember him sort of stealing Tom Brewster's team 
uh, yeah. in 2012, I think, or 2013. Uh, they, they made that decision to try to get ready for the Olympics in 2014. Um, and he's still a big time coach in the, the Scottish curling, uh, maybe the face of it outside of the players. Yeah, so, I would think uh, so. still, a, still a big presence, a very, very, uh, strong, strong, strong player. Yeah, no, no question about it. And go listen to the Rocks Across the Pond episode where they talk about the 2009 World Final and not just about the game itself, but also what it meant and that having that victory for David Murdoch gave him the agency within Scottish curling to make that move later on. And he had enough power within the organization, credibility from that victory to do that. So uh, just a yeah, fascinating tale of the, the career of David Murdoch. Yeah. So going into the 2010 Olympics too, I, I, it's probably easy to forget that team Martin was probably the favorite, but not runaway favorite. The, the way that it happened. Right. Yeah. Uh, David Murdoch being there, they were, you know, maybe just slightly lower odds to win the gold. They ended up not getting a medal losing in the semifinal, but, uh, still one of the best uh, teams especially at that time yeah absolutely no, no question about it so scott uh, let's move on then to number six you mentioned some of the best teams in the world maybe two of them were in canada i think this is one you were alluding to i think so sean so this is the glenn howard and uh, his team there that's really came to the forefront like oh five oh six really they were there but uh, where the team that we know yeah, came in. So they won the Briar in 07, were silver medalists in 06, 08, and 10, and a silver medalist at the 09 trials. So this is, they're only losing to Kevin Martin. They're so great. So many great games between those teams. And Sean, uh, he murdered Joel Jordison on national TV and got away with it. And that's that amazing shot. Yeah. Uh, the run back, cross house double. Uh, where he sticks the shooter like it. it's it's impossible to describe if you've never seen this shot I, I think it is legitimately impossible to describe how amazing it was and there was no sh- there was seemingly no shot there he's going up the ice and he says in turn out turn that doesn't matter doesn't matter <laughs> and he just whips it and he somehow makes this shot there's a great clip of the team usa i can't remember who it was leading into the Olympics in 2010, Colbert, when he was doing the old show, had them on to talk about it. And yes. they tried to explain to him what this shot was. And Colbert in this character was just like, oh yeah, that's the, that's the good stuff. <laughs> like, it was just like, cause it's just so hard to explain it. And yeah, he murdered Joel Jordison in that moment. Joel Jordison was going to win that game as team Saskatchewan Maybe that propels him into the playoffs, but that was it for Joel Jordison in that event. Hasn't been back to a briar since. And I feel kind of bad for Joel Jordison, but Joel Jordison also had the best seat in the house for what I would argue is the greatest shot of all time. Not the most important shot of all the time, not the most substantive shot, not the most meaningful shot, but the greatest shot that I've ever seen made in a curling game. Yeah, it's it's just incredible. Yeah. And, you know, like I say, if it's not for Team Kevin Martin, we might be talking about 
four-time Briar champs uh, during this time. They were th- those two teams like just traded blows. Yeah, and Glenn would win some games, but in the the big games, it seemed uh, like Kevin Martin always had the answer. Yeah, n- no question. I think in the later part of the aughts, when those two teams were at their best, leading into the 2010 Olympics. Mm-hmm. Certainly in Canada, and I think probably in the world, everyone else was playing for third place. That those were the two best teams. And it was kind of like what I would kind of like to see with women's hockey at the Olympics, where unless a world at a world championship, a team other than Canada or the United States makes the gold medal game, that at the Olympics, just give us the best out of seven. Americans against the Canadians. That's what everybody wants to see. And then everybody else can play for third place because they're basically playing for third place anyway. That's what it was like in the late part of the aughts that those two teams were there. They were going to be in the final. They were going to have a game later in the week because that's when Curling Canada would schedule those games Mm -hmm. for first place. And then they'd be in the one-two game and then we'd see them again in the final. And it was was amazing. Yeah, yeah. I I remember watching going down to the briar in 2011 in london and i decided i'm gonna go on the day when alberta and ontario play each other like yeah why would i go any other game yeah that's when i need to go yep ironically neither of them won (laughs) but (laughs) but uh yeah the, the two best teams there uh no doubt about it so sean next up Number five. Next up, number five, the great Jennifer Jones. She won four Scotties championships during the decade, if we count 2010 as part of this decade, because I'm going to, because why not? So 2005, 2008, 2009, 2010, 2005, of course, was the great shot that she makes the in-off to win the Scotties against Jen Hanna and Team Ontario a shot that, in retrospect, they did not sweep properly. But I guess it's a good thing because the shot was made. She mm-hmm. didn't have the success at the World Championships that you might have expected from her. She only wins one in those four trips, the 2008 World Championship. She goes fourth place in 2005, 2009, and bronze in 2010. So for a long time, Jennifer Jones, and maybe she still has this rep of not being successful at the world championship because she's only won, I believe two world championships, which is weird to say only, but when you win as many Scotties as she does, I guess only uh, fits as a way to describe it. But she, she has for a time had this reputation as not being able to get it done at a world championship, but she wins that one in 2008. She struggles at the 2009 trials, which I think hurts her in this ranking a little bit. She only went two and five. there. pretty shocking that yeah, I, you, I had to be the pressure were, got to her and they were easily the favorites oh no question yeah 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 by far the favorites and the yeah it had to have been just the pressure of an event at home in vancouver i believe those trials were they not in winnipeg too or is that 2013 good question i'll look at yeah up. you can correct me on that but just it, yeah it seemed like in that moment everything came together and they couldn't sustain for that week which is too bad because they were so good best in the world at that point, I would think, or I would argue, and just a, an amazing run. And she's still going. She, we might see her again. Who knows? But this is where it all starts for Jennifer Jones winning those four championships and three in a row to wrap up the decade. That's right, John. That, what a great team. Uh, those trials were in Edmonton. 
And yeah, I think that's just it. You know, you get off to a bad start and you're trying to play, pre- uh, come from behind, you're pressing a bit, just yeah. uh, wasn't in the cards for them that week, um, which is too bad. But this team is sort of, I talked about Glenn Howard, like, oh, if Martin wasn't there, they could have won, you know, four champion championships. Like Jennifer Jones did it. Yeah. That's so true. that's why they're there. I, I think there, there was a big knock on her early in her career that she didn't seem to perform at the world stage. I think when Chelsea Carey had trouble at the worlds, that sort of reminded me of early Jennifer Jones. Obviously, Jennifer was able to shake that. We'll see in the future if Chelsea Carey is, but uh, mm-hmm. maybe you could argue, oh, Jennifer Jones is is one of these shoulder people right like she was great the last five years of the the decade but the level of greatness was just so so high yeah she's got to be on this list absolutely no question about it so scott we got four left so who is in that number four spot so sean number four we talked at the beginning about the dynasties that make the decade so here we've got uh, a split between david netowen and randy furby Mostly because I don't want Randy Furby to get mad at our <laughs> rankings for excluding him. Uh, we have only been talking about skips, mostly because they're the ones that make the last shots. But yeah. team is important, so we'll put uh, Nedwin and Furby together. Four-time Briar winners, uh, 01, 02, 03, 05, the silver in 04, of course, the meltdown uh, and loss to Mark Dacey. Uh, they also won the Worlds in 02, 03, and 05. This was... The, the team of the decade up till 2005 yeah, and unbeatable. Some might say, oh, well, Scott, they not everybody was playing in the Briars at that time. Well, you know, you, you play the schedule that's in front of you mm-hmm. and they're the only ones that won all of those. So, yeah, well, I, I think the case for that people make in part for the fact that, well, other people weren't there and therefore it's not as great is that they didn't represent Canada at the 2002 Olympics or the 2006 Olympics. They did not win those trials and those were full field events. Everyone who could go went. So there was no boycott of the trials in those years. And I think that's part of it that they did not get it done at those two events. That being said, those runs at the Briar were remarkable and they just overpowered everybody. And, yeah, the, the players we have listed, I would put Nedowin as being the more important individual in terms of shot making. Mm-hmm. He was just lights out and just phenomenal touch when he would go through, especially on, on his draw game. But what Rock and Pfeiffer could do, that was transformative. They were yeah. Kennedy and Hebert before Kennedy and Hebert. They were the first ones to put a lot of effort into the gym, put fitness as a priority, recognizing that sweeping can be the difference between winning and losing games at this level. And they did that more than anybody else. So this team in its totality, the four of them all together really are remarkable in how we think of the game. They set the stage for what comes next. The, that mm-hmm. Howard Martin rivalry is built in part, I would argue on the back of the fur before. Yeah, I I agree. And I think for that reason, Sean, we're just going to call this the Furby Four. Okay. We're going to call position number four on our list. Yeah. 
the fur before the fur before yeah and as an added bonus this didn't happen in the decade i don't think one of the best cameos on corner gas that we've ever yes. seen that was during the decade okay great so that's yeah. an added point <laughs> yeah yeah all right scott let's move up number three the bronze medal position for the decade goes to the one and only colleen jones greatest east coast curler of all time winning the scotties in 2001 2002 2003 2004 also they had won in 1999 they got a bronze medal in the 2006 and 2000 excuse me bronze medal of the 2006 scotties won the world championship in 2001 2004 a world silver in 03 and was the bronze medal recipient at the 2001 Olympic trials. Another team that, unfortunately, I think this is sad, legitimately sad that Colleen Jones never got the chance to play in an Olympic games. They were so dominant, this team. Mm-hmm. Now, I, we said this last week or two weeks ago when we talked about the 1990s, the tragedy of, of Sandra Schmerler, uh, if, if, obviously the human tragedy of it. The curling tragedy of it is... For as much fun as we had watching Howard Martin, watching Schmirler Jones in the early aughts would have been amazing. Yeah. And a lot more fun, I think, than just watching Colleen Jones run down yeah. the competition. Talked about Kelly Scott, maybe some people not enjoying watching her on TV. I think Colleen but had was, a little she bit was, of she that. Was, she was much less popular, I think, than Kelly Scott. Yeah. She was yeah. very polarizing, Colleen and, Jones. And still and is, part I of, think. Well, part of it, Sean, I think was the style of play. Yes. They were very defensive. Yes. Super boring at times. Yeah. But it was effective and they were good at it. Yeah. Sort of before, I think, before hitting in the ladies game was as prominent as we see today. Like, I don't think the hitting was as good. No, right. I no. think Jennifer Jones is the one that takes that step. Yes. Uh, being able to throw the high hard one. Yeah. With uh, Jill officer, like being yeah. able to write that lineup of Jones, uh, being able, and Kathy Oak could throw the, the hard one too, but really having Jill officer as that weapon made it for, for Jennifer Jones. And you see it with Colleen Jones too. They, they can't throw it as hard. All of them, Marianne Arsenault, Marianne way at the time they, or she, didn't have the same power as what we see later on, but very accurate with the yeah. up weight when she needed to throw it. Yeah. And that's the the difference between them and other teams Yeah, uh, was they were, they were able to make the shots they were calling. Mm-hmm. So ran that to four straight Scotties. Uh, that's something you can't argue with. No, no boycott in women's curling. Nope. Everyone was there. And just as an added bonus, Colleen Jones owns one of my favorite quotes of all time when they talked about splitting the world championships into a men's event and a women's event and not having them together. She talked about how the women would have to play in bikinis in order to get any attention. Well, obviously not true. Yeah, she was off on that one. She missed that prediction. It was a great quote. It was a great quote. Did I ever tell you, Sean, I I worked at CBC for a while and Colleen Jones called. Oh, yeah. I, I was in the weather office there and nobody else was around so i picked up the phone and she's like uh hey it's colleen uh i need to know some weather info for halifax and i was like uh 
okay. <laughs> a little starstruck, you know, I yeah. wasn't expecting Colleen Jones to be just calling me on the phone. Right. Asking some info, but uh, yeah. Well, she needed the info. She's got to give the weather to the, the wonderful people of Halifax. Exactly. Exactly. So that's my brush with uh, Colleen Jones. <laughs> All right, Scott, we got two spots left. I think one of those spots is not going to surprise anybody. Maybe this other one will. So who is it? So we talked about the dynasties within Canada. Yeah. One of the biggest dynasties that we see outside of Canada is the new face of Swedish curling. Last week, we talked about Elizabeth Gustafsson, and this time it's Annette Norberg. Yeah. Uh, Euro champ in 01, 02, 03, 04, 05, and 07. Sorry, 2006. <laughs> A silver in 2008, two-time world champ in 05 and 06 a silver medal at the worlds in 2001 2009 also at the olympics won gold in 2006 and 2010 how's that for a decade that's not too bad ain't nothing wrong with that <laughs> how's she only number two <laughs> right yeah like after reading all that yeah uh, sweet so like swedish curling like we talked about is sort of unfair unfairly good and then you have the norberg years and now we're experiencing the Hasselberg years. Just amazing, amazing team and amazing player to be that good for that long yeah. uh, on the world stage. Yeah, no question. Just a dominant run for Annette Nordberg. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's incredible to think about how good she is. And I mean, she won another world championship in 2011, uh, just continuing that run that start like just dominant, just an absolute dominant run for Annette Norberg. And that's the only word that I can really think of to describe her. Yeah. I just show up to world championships and win. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it, it's weird too. So she was inducted into the Swedish curling hall of fame. Scott, when do you think she was inducted into the Swedish curling hall of fame? Um, well, I would guess maybe like mid teens, but probably she was inducted before that. She was inducted into the Swedish curling hall of fame in 1989. <laughs> Wow. After the silver medal at the Olympics in Calgary, that uh, that silver that she got when it was a demonstration sport, mm-hmm. that's when she got into the Hall of Fame. She had represented Sweden at the World Championship in 88 and 89, then again in 91. Then she takes a break from the international level of curling. But So she's doing all this in the aughts, already in Sweden's curling Hall of Fame in for so long that her photo is probably pretty dusty. Uh, and then she's going on this run. Uh, she's uh, She did get inducted this year, her and her teammates from the Olympics into the World Curling Federation Hall of Fame. Probably a little mm-hmm. late on that one, WCF. Maybe a bit, yeah. So, Scott, that's the run that comes in second place, which means that the run that comes in first place has to be incredibly impressive and it is it's the team that i think you would argue i think i could be convinced on any given day was the best of all time that is the team martin from the latter part of the aughts kevin martin john morris mark kennedy and ben hebert briar champions in 2008 and 2009 they win the olympic gold medal in dominant fashion at the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver, world champions in 2008, the 2009 game we've made reference to 
as to whether or not they could have won that uh, and what happened there. Uh, I would say that the the 2009 silver medal is more memorable than the 2008 gold medal, gold medal for probably all the wrong reasons. And then if you take the team in their in their totality, Kevin Martin also won the silver medal at the 2002 Olympic Games. And John Morris skipped his Ontario rink, which included Saville and Lang, to the 2002 Briar final, losing that game to the Furby Four. So all in all, an incredible team, an incredible run. Not as long as some of the other runs that we might have seen, but a team that at their best, there's nothing you could do to beat them. They had to miss for you to have a chance. And it was it was leading like the 2010 Olympics in retrospect. And you were there. You were in the building. I don't know if it felt like this in the building. And certainly you can tell me. Certainly because it felt like this on TV sometimes that the teams as they were coming out and they would show them on the screens, they just had a look in their eye of we, we can't beat these guys. Yeah. And yeah. you're right. They, they couldn't. They couldn't. Yeah. I think like we mentioned, maybe – David Murdoch's team was the only one that like really, really thought they could do it. Uh, that's the year that we see uh, Thomas Ulsrud's team debut. No, not debut, but we see them debut at the Olympics, I guess. And uh, they, they're sort of bringing the fun to it. So maybe their freewheeling attitude, they thought they could, but uh, I mean, come on. Uh, Kevin Martin, we talked about him last week. Or, or last time too, right? Yep. Uh, number six in the '90s decade. Then he sort of betters what he did in the '90s in the the aughts. And and when we we say the whole team, right? Because you think of John Morris being a really strong player, yeah, uh, through the whole decade until he hooks up with uh, Team Martin. Uh, I believe Kennedy was in juniors in the early part of the decade, but yeah. uh, I might right. be wrong. So maybe the '90s, but just. Uh, like such a great team and their peak is the highest peak I would say of any other team. They're the best team I've ever seen play. The runner up that I, I have in mind is that Russ Howard team in 93, 92, 93 with Glenn Howard, Wayne Madaw and Peter corner. Uh, yeah. But of the teams I've seen play live, this is, this is the best. And with the you know like due respect to Kevin Cooey or Brad Gushu, like it's not really close. Yeah, no, I I completely agree, and I think in an alternate world where we could fantasy book a, a Briar, which we have done before, uh, we would have that that Russ Howard team from the '80s, early '90s play against this team and yeah. see what happens because we would love to see that. So yeah, it's it just uh, just a remarkable run that they went on. So to just put a point on Kennedy, he did play in junior events early in the 2000s, uh, won a gold medal representing Canada at the Universiade in 2003. He won gold medal at the Canada Winter Games in 1999 when he would have been, I think, 17 years old at that point. So uh, still in the junior ranks uh, early in the decade mm-hmm. before hooking up with Kevin Martin. But just a... Yes, uh, I- we're the same age, Martin or Mark Kennedy and I. So. Yeah, how does that make you feel, Scott? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. I I feel 
Like, okay. He seems older than me. I don't know why, but. Well, I mean, look at this. So marketing degree from Alberta, University of Alberta, owned an M&M meat shop franchise, sold it in 2012. Now he's a real estate agent. He won the Heck Jervis Scholarship. This is impressive. Yeah, he's an impressive guy, impressive career. Yeah. but So, so like all we're saying is all of Team Martin, great players, great careers. Yeah, and no question about it. No question. So yeah. here we go. Scott, the list again from 10 to 1. Pal Trulson, Kelly Scott, Brad Gushu, David Murdoch, Glenn Howard, Jennifer Jones, the Furby 4, Colleen Jones, Annette Norberg, and then Team Martin at the top of the table for the odds. Scott, anything that you vehemently disagree with on this list? Uh, nothing that I vehemently disagree with. I was thinking, though, as we were talking, Sean, what what about uh, Jeff Stoughton? And when I think about Jeff Stoughton, he's he like wins in 96 and 99 then like in 2007 then 11 like it's not it's not clustered together like yeah the the sort of things that we talked about here it's more of like very consistently good for a long 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 time yeah so it, if somebody <laughs> wants to quibble and put uh stoughton on one of our lists i get it but it's it's not that peak that we're looking for. No, no, he was just really good for a really long time. He he kind of is like a Gushu type before Gushu turned into this version of Gushu that we see today, hmm. where they're a lot competitive, make it to the finals. Yeah, maybe we'll win every so often, but just didn't quite have that same level as other teams. And part of that was the the rotation of players that Jeff Stout had to go through. It was Steve Gould and then whoever else he could get because people wanted to skip their own teams in Manitoba. People were moving around and about. I, I think probably his, his best team was when he had Nichols because Nichols, yeah. is, Nichols is really good. Now, yeah. I, I mean, John Mead, you take that too. Uh, gets there. Reed Carruthers was on the team for a while. I'm not sure mm-hmm. how well the dynamic was. I, I think they hopefully liked each other, but just the on ice dynamic. I'm not, I, it always seems strange there, but mm. he, he did run through some players. And I think that probably hurt because these other teams in this era of dynasties stayed together. That's right. And I think that gave them an advantage. Yeah. So anyway, that's the only thing that uh, came to mind, but overall I like this list. I want to hear what everybody else has to say. What, what what do you think out there? Yeah, do you agree with this list? Let us know who we let off, where you would rank the teams from the yachts, and certainly feel free to reach out. Let us know. You can find us on social media at Game of Stones Pod on Twitter and Instagram, or via email, Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com. So that'll do it for this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you have not yet, please do subscribe to the show, share it around, do the likes, ratings, comments, all that good stuff. Helps other people find the show, beats those algorithms. And do head on over to GameofStonesPod.com. Click on the Merch tab where we have some T-shirts and hoodies and toques for sale with all the proceeds going to the Sandra Schmerler Foundation and Food Banks Canada. We are matching all of the proceeds as we continue to run the merch. And as we start to approach September, 
we will look at the totals and make the donation. We tend to look at them monthly and make those donations. So if you're looking for something, weather will turn eventually, even though it doesn't feel like it here in the nation's capital. And some of those colder weather items might be of value before you know it. So do feel free to check that out. So Scott, that'll do it for the aughts. Very good. We're going to turn the page next week to the 2010s. Are you excited? I'm very excited. All right. Because because there's lots of curlers. Yes. Yes. The 2010s is stacked. Yeah. It'll be about, you know, trying to let the cream rise to the top, you know. uh, Yeah. Trying to sort through all the excellent, excellent players. Yeah. It'll be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to it. Hopefully you are as well. So we'll talk to you then. But until then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final.